Welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Elias Rosner. And I'm Jaina Hill. And this week, we're heading back to the past to find out who was wrong and who was right. Excelsior. It's the first episode of 2022. That's We're really exciting. In 2021, but <laughs> I'm so happy to be here in 2022. I like uh I don't much care for people who at the end of every year they're like, "Man, fuck 2017. That was the worst year ever because I think uh yeah, history will make fools out of us all." But personally, I'm like pretty ready for a clean start in a lot of regards. Yeah. And uh as we could tell by the intro, there've been some new changes. So what's up? Yeah. I, I was wrong about a lot of things <laughs> about 2021 at the start in 2020 when I was looking ahead to the new year. And one of those things is that I am a trans lady. And 2021 was the year I realized that. Uh, I've been working on a lot of stuff in private with uh, with with trusted people in my life. And Elias mm-hmm. has been one of those people all year because he's known longer than a lot of people. Uh, I think even made uh, the occasional slip up on air, which I think we caught all of them with editing. But who knows? Maybe uh, Elias outed me by accident uh, prior to uh, the planned uh, album drop, as it were. I think I was very good about about not doing that, but I definitely did the opposite, where I used the wrong pronoun and then covered it up. <laughs> I tried to be very general. No, Elias, I, I'm saying this both for Elias's benefit and for the people listening, but Elias has been like a wonderful, solid support in all of this. Thank and you. it's uh, nice to find out how cool all your friends are. Yeah, so uh, new name is Jaina. Uh, Jane for short is fine. I uh, recently saw my family for the first time in a while and all my baby cousins were calling me Aunt Jane and I was super into that. That's uh, awesome. It was awesome. My baby cousins are the best. And... um. Big uh, Teen Titans fans, which uh, I know is not Marvel, but we're starting. We're starting somewhere. They really they they yeah. sang for me the whole Teen Titans Go song from the movie where they have to spell Teen Titans. I was very impressed at their spelling. When you say baby, do you mean like two or like six? The oldest one is ten, and the youngest one is four. Okay. And the six and the four year old were the ones singing the Teen Titans song. Yep. No shame. Yeah, but it's gonna be uh, Jaina or Jane, and it's gonna be she/her pronouns from here on out. Um, Elias, did you, uh, <laughs> this being a comic book podcast, did you catch the inspiration <laughs> for my name uh, immediately when I told you, or did I have to spill the beans? You had to spill the beans. I think Chris beat me to the punch. I was like, that seems familiar, but I am not, I'm not going to spill the beans for anyone who wants to guess, but uh, I, I did not catch it. Uh, although, uh, once it was explained, I turned to uh, my girlfriend, Shira, and she was like, oh, yeah, I know who that is, like, instantly and gave me the whole backstory. And I was like, oh, that's why. And then pulled off the book off the shelf. I, I think it's really millennial to name a kid like some fandom reference. I think about all those little baby Khaleesi's running around out there <laughs> who are going to have to, like, fucking apply for jobs one day, right? As, like, Khaleesi Brown. Yeah. And I think that's great, and I think that's so fun and wonderful that those people probably didn't even like Game of Thrones by the finale, but their kid is going to be named that forever, so it's really, like, about who you were and when you were there, when uh, you had to make you? that choice. Yeah, and I, that's a, I'm totally the, the kind of asshole who would name my kid something like that, so obviously I was going <laughs> to take the opportunity to name myself something like that. And it turns out a lot of mythology names are, like, very goyish. <laughs> you, you can't have a they Jewish really lady. Are. You can't have a Jewish lady named Freya, right? That's that's unseemly. Yeah, it's a little, little, little out there. I mean, 
I mean, if you're Jewish Scandinavian, oh sure, not, not to, is out there. Not to knock on the one uh, Jewish girl named Freya out there. If you're out there and listening to this podcast, I think we would very obviously be friends, and you should reach out to us. But I'm gonna take the gamble that you don't exist. At least not in our audience. I hope to be wrong. <laughs> um, speaking of being wrong, oh yeah, um, we made a bunch of predictions. I. Uh, I love playing prediction games, and I love having inconsequential bets, so we combine those interests for our uh, 2021 predictions. Mm-hmm. And I think what Elias are gonna, is, and I are going to do is we are going to go down this list. Uh, we have 10 predictions each. We are going to say on um, each one, uh, taking turns, if we felt we were right or wrong, the other person will have an opportunity for a rebuttal. And then um, by the end, we'll see who has the higher score. And um, the loser, we have to re- we're going to both read their least favorite Marvel comic. Yep, that's going to be fun. And if you want to listen to our original discussion where we kind of litigated some of the rules and the the boundaries of these, uh, you can go back to episode 61 uh, where you'll also find out which books we picked ahead of time. We'll probably say it again at the end, but uh, go listen to that now. I had fun doing that episode. Yeah, I had fun doing that episode, and but I... I don't think you've read my pick for the worst Marvel book of all time, but I'm positive I've read your pick, and your pick is my second least favorite Marvel book of all time. So I, I, I no matter what, I'm going to lose. I know this. No matter what, we both lose. We yeah. kind of deserve it. We did terrible at this game. Well, yeah, but that's half the fun. Yeah. I, I shot for the moon. I'm like, I think I have no idea how many of these are coming true, but let's see. Yeah, right, in do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Why don't you do the first one? Okay. I, I already went first. My inc- first incorrect prediction for 2021 is that I would end it as a man. Now you go. <laughs> Zingers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my first prediction was that one of the Fantastic Four would die. You know, because I thought that seems like the kind of thing you do with the Fantastic Four when you want to make stakes, and Dan Slott felt like the kind of person who... On this Fantastic Four run, which I have not been very thrilled by, I was gonna um, he say would do that. Yeah, you seem to think that uh, you're, you seem to be accusing Dan Slott of being a little hacky at times, and I. Uh, you've read the early Fantastic Four stuff by him. Come on. And I, I well, I loved his uh, the first like two arcs of that were golden to me. I should go back and give the whole run a chance, but um, I'm a, a big Dan Slott defender in my social group. If you're another Dan Slott defender out there, again, we might be friends. I think Dan Slott is a lot of fun. But yeah, his Fantastic Four has not been his most inspired run. Uh, I don't like it as much as his Spider-Man or as his Silver Surfer run, which obviously remains the mm-hmm. best and my favorite. I also know that uh, there's people who think that his She-Hulk is aged like a, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like a carton of milk. What do you age mm. like? Yeah, but I'm really fond of that She-Hulk run. I think it's a product of the of a time and place that uh, I remember with laughter. But yeah, but, I think that yeah, I I think that you're accusing Dan Slott of being kind of hacky and uh, here. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight back on this on this count. Okay, but turns out I was wrong. I I could make the argument that I was in, I was correct. Because in issue 35, uh, we see not one, but three, at least three different deaths of the Fantastic Four. But, I mean, it involves time travel and, you know, the Sphinx. And no one likes the Sphinx. So it doesn't hate count. The Sphinx. Is the Sphinx yeah. our least favorite Marvel villain on this podcast? I think he might be. I think he might be. But, yeah, at least the comic understood that the Sphinx kind of sucks. 
I kind of, the issue you're talking about, I actually kind of like. That was a fun oh, yeah. issue. I don't like his Fantastic Four run very much, but I've really liked the most recent issues. <laughs> They've been probably the strongest for me of the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, none of the Fantastic Four died. Johnny becomes super fire and someone else leaves, but no one's dead. So I I lost that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no world in which you get the point from that one. But I no. think that that Fantastic Four run is a mixed bag. Yeah. You know what was the best? I was waiting that... for a future Ben to kill Reed Richards, but <laughs> not yet. It would be so embarrassing if you were right for 2022. But, oh, um, God, yeah. You know who has the most underrated Fantastic Four run that's pretty solid and nobody remembers? Who? James Robinson. Huh. James really? Robinson wrote the, an underrated... The Starman guy? Yeah, the Starman guy. It's not, it's not as good as Starman, but it's real solid. He loves the Fantastic Four uh, supporting cast, and he creates, like, a really good new villain for the whole run, who's, who I thought was a lot of fun. Well, that's good. Yeah. Huh. Speaking of uh, beloved Fantastic Four writers, mm-hmm. my first prediction for 2021 was that Mark Wade and Chris Samney were going to reunite to do an issue. I was just thinking of uh, going into 2021, I thought Marvel was kind of uh, not feeling a lot of creative juice and that they were going to play some hits. And Samney and Wade are probably one of their like most reliable teams. Even when yeah. they did that Black Widow book that not a lot of people read, everyone who saw it was like, oh shit, this is this is something special. Mm-hmm. They weren't in the same issue this year. Both uh, Wade has been mostly doing DC work of late. And like, good for him. That guy loves Superman. Yeah. And Samney has been working uh, independent mostly, either on his own book or with uh, Robert Kirkman. Oh, actually, I guess his own and his wife's book. They both, they wrote, co-write that one. Yeah, and that book's kind of delightful. Yeah. Firepower. Uh, well, Firepower, jo- uh, Jonna and the Unsolvable Monsters is the one he co-writes with his with his wife. Oh, well, I haven't read that one. I yeah. did not realize it was even a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's on a marble. I probably didn't read it. Anyway, <laughs> what was your number two prediction of the year? I didn't, they didn't reunite. I didn't get the point. What, but nah. how about you? Uh, my second was that Children of the Atom will be scrapped and New Mutants will become that title instead. And Children of the Atom came out. So. <laughs> That's right. It, it came out. They reduced it to a miniseries. And I really liked the last issue. I thought the whole run was pretty good. Yeah. Man, I thought it was okay. It definitely uh, got hurt by whatever happened. So. Now, Elias, what is your uh, opinion, generally speaking, about half points? <sighs> Make the case for me. Okay, my number two prediction was that Uncanny X-Men will return and be about a superhero team of superhero mutants. And (sighs) half of that is that there would be a book titled Uncanny X-Men. There is not. There was a relaunch of uh, X-Men, so we went Mm -hmm. from volume five to volume six, and that book was how I described my Uncanny X-Men prediction. It's a superhero team of mutants. It's definitely not called the Uncanny X-Men, but unlike the previous volume, it's like actually about superheroes again. I think I will give you the half point in this case because in all but name, and even though the name was important to the prediction, we did get a relaunch. I think if you if they continued the numbering and not relaunched, relaunched it, I would have said no. Thank you. That is very generous. Yeah, and a bit the spirit of that question was that I thought it was interest an interesting choice not to have a book about superheroes. They were all about a bunch of different like super people adventuring. But this mm-hmm. is like a book about like a strike team that goes out intentionally to fight villains and rescue people and solve problems. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that was kind of what my prediction was about. I did think they were going to call it uncanny. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I'm surprised. I... I mean, we're getting secret secret X Men as one shots in 2022, so anything is possible. 
I have to add that to my column. I, I haven't talked about that one yet, and I'm pretty excited for it. But what about <laughs> you? Did you get any uh, even half points for your next one? Uh, I think I got a full point. So I wrote that Marvel will launch a new anthology title. Now, oh, they a thousand percent did. There's indisputably. Yeah, I was saying they don't have an ongoing. All of them have been minis, unfortunately. And I was, I think, I don't remember if I specified it had to be an ongoing or if I just said a new title that hadn't already been publishing. Like Marvel Voices didn't count because it was already out. And I think uh, Deadpool, Black, White, and Blood didn't count because it was also publishing at the end of 2020. Oh, but those were the we, ones I was counting. So what? But what we got Carnage, Black, White, and Blood. And we got Electra, Black, White, and Blood. Yeah. Or up, Electra's upcoming. Uh, right. But uh, in, yeah, but they've continued that series a little slower than an ongoing. Yeah. But um, but it totally counts. It's uh, it's the it's one title, and um, you know, sometimes Marvel title stuff stupidly, like what they did with uh, Giant Size X Men and how every issue was a number one. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna pull something out of my hat, but I'm like, they do that with Darkhold. They do that with heroes were born but some of them make sense some of them don't yeah well i yeah you get the full point there then you, that puts you ahead you are with uh, one point a half yeah what's your what's your number three all right so my number three and i looked pretty hard for this and i i could not exactly figure it out mm-hmm. is that marvel superheroes will team up with a real life person for an out of continuity adventure i said double points two points if that real life person is the band bts <laughs> and three points for a Spider-Man meets BTS, uh, Peter Parker, BTS team-up story. No, we definitely didn't get any of the BTS ones. No. I, and I So I looked pretty carefully. Did you see any, like, Marvel real-life team-up? Do you remember seeing this? Nothing that I would no. really count. No, nothing. nothing... Was... No. I, I guess... I guess the closest thing that I could argue for is the Hellfire Gala featured a lot of real people. Yeah, but I wouldn't call that a team-up. I would call those cameos. Yeah, man, if I had phrased that differently, I could have gotten the points for Hellfire Gala. I think you're right, but... Um, well, because yeah, con- no they didn't do anything substantial in the issue. They were just kind of there. Like, if yeah. some, like, if one of the you're Hellfire out. Gala is- issues had been, like, I don't know, Patton Oswalt gets embroiled in something wild with... You'd love Patton Modoc Oswald. or whatever. <laughs> then, okay, you know, I'm Modoc crashed the party or whatever. I'm laughing. That's pretty fun. That's a good idea. Um, (laughs) Also, the wild thing about this is I didn't really know BTS when I wrote this prediction. I knew that my friend's kids were into them. Uh Uh-huh. But then I marathoned this year all of The Good Wife. Don't ask me why. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I was watching it on some shitty streaming service. Uh, What's it on? Uh, Paramount Plus. And Uh I saw the same commercial over and over again for this awesome, like, flip phone, touch phone thing that I've never wanted a phone in my young life. And now I'm like, I must have this flip phone. It's amazing. And... (laughs) The way they would advertise it is there was this girl on the subway and she would like uh, and she could like see her reflection. It would turn into BTS and then like BTS taught her some dance moves on the subway. And I just loved the song and I saw it over and over again. It was the only commercial that never annoyed me because I love BTS now. I did Mm -hmm. not know this about myself in 2020 when I made these predictions. So (laughs) second thing about my life, I did not know that I would be a lady who loves BTS. So it seems that all of your... Your wrong predictions about yourself are turning out to be much better than all of the wrong predictions about Marvel. Yeah, and I think that I guess that's a that's what we call a good year when we look back. Yeah. I also want to quickly give a shout out. I really thought hard to if I read any comics with like uh, superheroes teaming up with not superheroes. Yeah. 
And I want to give a shout out to the Batman Fortnite comic, which I had to read for the reasons. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. I forgot. Batman Fortnite Zero Point, I think it's called. Was it good? It was fantastic. It was no. by, yes, it's by Christos Gage, who always gets hired for these weird work for hire assignments. It always bats a thousand. Christos Gage wow. never disappoints in these weirdest comics ever if his name's on them. Uh-huh. And I know virtually nothing about Fortnite. I've played it like once. I was gripped by this comic, and if that Batman gets sucked into the game Fortnite, and he finds out that he can't talk, he can only emote, and every time he dies, he loses his memory, so he keeps on, like, leaving himself notes, like, memento, to teach himself to get good at Fortnite so he can escape oh the time loop. God. That's amazing. It's so good. And Catwoman and Harley Quinn are also trapped in, and then uh, they all intersect and they have different strategies of how to play Fortnite. And it's just like, it really like spoke to this little kid in me. It was so excellent. I'm surprised that Fortnite did not facilitate a Marvel DC crossover. Cause there were, there were Fortnite cross, like the Marvel characters showed up in Fortnite. I mean, they're, they're trying if they get, if they get, uh, if they can do it, if they can negotiate between Warner brothers and Disney, then they can activate the metaverse and we can all be stuck in their dark matrix clutches. Anyway, well, then they'd also have to drag Zuck in. Ugh. Uh, we don't have Ugh. to talk about him on this podcast. He's not in the MCU or anyway, the 616 number as far as four. I know. <laughs> yeah. What's your number four? So my number four was that Marvel will commit to diversifying its editorial staff. Ah. Now, this is something that I think really does take lo- more than one year. And I, I meant like I meant to look at the names from the beginning of the year and compare it to the names at the end of the year. Plus, look uh, at people in like high-ranking positions and compare yeah. the upward mobility in the company. This that's like a weird exercise to do, but you know what? We're like so into this inside baseball that I will allow it, and I will enthusiastically encourage it because I like that too. Yeah, uh, my problem is I didn't have good data at the beginning of the year, so I've got no baseline to compare it to. <laughs> However, none of the major editors, from what I could see, like editor, not assistant editor. You know, this includes editor-in-chief. None of those positions really changed. It was all the same people as before. Mm -hmm. Um, But they seem to have hired a lot more assistant editors, and a lot of those assistant editors are people of color, they're women, uh, they are outside of the normal bounds. Now, that may have always been true, uh, and so the real test is how many become full-fledged editors instead of the associate or assistant editors. Um, so like Nick Lowe on the Spider books or Jordan B. White on the X books, those kinds of positions. Yeah, so I I could make the case that, yes, I did get this point, but like I don't have the data to back it up, sadly. I mean, you shot your shot with this one. You were hoping. I feel like you were hoping for a strong showing, and you knew that you were likely to get a weak showing. So I don't think you can. I, you can take the point in good conscience. Yeah, yeah. But Especially I appreciate- because like the editor, the main editor positions didn't really change. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, it says something nice about you that you uh, you really were trying to put good energy into the world and hoping if you uh, did it strongly, it would uh, yeah. it would uh, tip the cosmic scales. So I, yeah. tip, I tip my cosmic hat to you. And I have a number four that is such an easy prediction, I thought for sure I would get it, but I actually don't think I did. What was it? My number four prediction is that an MCU movie would lose its director. Oh... I predicted this because um, I was looking back at this right before this prediction. uh, Not right before, but in 2020, uh, Scott Derrickson left uh, the Doctor Strange sequel and was replaced by Sam Raimi. Mm -hmm. And 
I thought that because of that and the relative chaos in the film industry due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, there would be a lot of, like, turnover with the Marvel schedule and stuff. But instead, they just kind of put everything on pause and then kind of went back to normal with masks on for low-level employees, I assume. Mm-hmm. But the directors and everything have remained in place, and their, like, movie machine is still churning stuff out. There's a little bit more um, uh, action happening with TV shows getting greenlit and canceled with alarming rates, but none of the movies have been affected. So, MCU, remaining uh, strong and steady. Mm-hmm. Probably because of the way production schedules on movies are so different. Than... Well, they're going crazy. I mean, they're building a whole campus in Georgia so that uh, everything can be done in-house. Between Georgia and London, like Marvel is uh, is settling in for the long haul on this thing. Okay, yeah, After I'm surprised. I am, I am surprised at that too. But yeah, it I like guess a, it's a good one. thing. Yeah, no, it is a good thing. It just seemed like an obvious thing to me last year, and it ended up being this was the year that all the corporations bounced back, but not every person did. Mm, yeah. All right. So my number five is that Marvel PR would put a f- its foot in its mouth over a creative decision. And I don't think they did that in 2021. That can't be true. I, d- I cannot remember a single creative decision that they made that Marvel PR, like, absolutely screwed the pooch on. Like, you know, secret secret empire style, you know, or it- you know, Nazi cap style. I guess it's just that they their PR is like keeping a lower profile. They're just like yeah. letting the critics be critics and not freaking out and trying to do unnecessary damage control. I feel like that's the big yeah. difference, right? But yeah, also their and, comics seem safer. Yeah, I was also gonna say unless them getting into NFTs count, but that's just they, they you don't put your foot in your mouth when you do that. It's just stupid. Yeah, they never went to damage control. They just said yeah. we're doing this thing, and if you don't like it, leave. And then some yeah. people didn't like it. Well, and some people left. Yep, but oh well. Seems like it should be a shoo-in. Yeah, I guess they've learned. Um, well, my, my number five is that a new superhero will debut during an event, leave no impact, and headline a series that is marketed as an ongoing. Um, Did this happen? Okay, so, looking through Marvel's 2021, the big event they had this year, weirdly enough, was Heroes Reborn, which didn't leave much of any impact. It was very self-contained. But was it an event? If you look at the Wikipedia list, list of Marvel Comics events, they're very broad with their definition of what an event is. And uh, Does it count standoff in there? Because that was not an event. Um, I'd have to go back to the Wikipedia list. But anyway, you know, using my discretion and everything, I look at anything that could count as an event in 2021. And yeah. they said Heroes Reborn. Um, there was also like Hellfire Gala stuff in 2021 right yeah um and that was an event but it didn't debut any like characters you got to spin off just like you know how sometimes in an event they'll uh, coming out of it they'll be like and now it's winter soldier and he's totally different now or something yeah um but they didn't really have that so the closest they came to this is they introduced a character um i'm gonna mispronounce this word sunam some somnambulist 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 yeah mm-hmm. they introduced a new character a queer character named somnambulist in uh, marvel voices pride uh, mm-hmm. an issue which i thought was okay and um and that character he was a new uh, new mutant character and he was super cool and interesting and i was excited uh for him to show up, and it looks like he's going to be part of the new Steve Orlando's uh, Marauders ongoing that's going to happen this year. Oh. But that would, that's I mean, with the most generous uh, definition of my answer would allow for that, and even so, it's not happening until 2022, because it took them more than a year to get that together. So there is no way in which uh, 
That counts. Nothing from Heroes Reborn except for the Darkhold books really continued, and that didn't use uh, much in the way new characters. And, well, unless you count, unless you're counting Scream from King and Black, but even that, I think, I don't think she got a, a full mini, a full series. Yeah, and she's not entirely a new character. Like, there has been no, a No, and she was, she was actually, her series was a spinoff of uh, Absolute Carnage. Yeah. King and Black. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, anyway. God, that, I can't believe that was something they, they published. But I, I can't give myself a, a point, any points for that in good conscience. No. All right, my number six was that Jason Aaron will step down from the Avengers and take on a different title. He did not step down from from Avengers. He is taking on an additional title, but it is another Avengers title, Avengers Forever. So, nope, failed that one hard. Yeah, it's like the opposite. Yep, but, you know, I'm okay with it. We got his Avengers in 2021 was a lot better than his Avengers before. Yeah, it's a, you know what I that's the it's the weirdest run because the the bad ones are really bad, but every so often there's an arc that's just like the kind of thing Aaron can do in his sleep, like the Dracula war where uh, the, we, we, between the vampires where Dracula took yep. over Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. That was a blast. That was just like that was a great. classic Jason Aaron does fun superhero stuff, and Heroes Reborn was like that for me too. Yeah, yeah. So what was your number six? Well. My number six was that I predicted that Stephen Wacker will take on a new role with Disney+. Plus. Now, for some of you youngins out there, such as Elias, you might not remember Stephen Wacker. Is that a name that's familiar to you? Uh, a little. We discussed it last time, and that was a name that always, like, I heard it a lot. I, I don't know if he did anything with, um, but with, uh, Spider-Man. Because I felt like I saw his name in those pages when we read Amazing Spider-Man with uh, Straczynski's run. But mm, I don't think he had anything to do with that. But that was a name that's just randomly familiar. He was an editor, uh, and Marvel Now is was like I was uh, getting very excited about Marvel when those comics were first coming out. And uh, he was editor. Oh, he did some Superior Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is where you might have seen him. At, oh, uh, that's right. You didn't read the dance slot. Uh, he, but uh, Fra- the Fraction Hawkeye run, which is uh, you know now a mm. pretty fun Disney Plus show. Uh, he he was the editor who like helped that. I, I give him a lot of, you know, uh, we don't credit editors a lot, but I give him a lot of credit and try. He was helping some people who wanted to do something different realize their vision. Mm-hmm. He was also the editor on the uh, Wade Samney Daredevil run. Um, Jerry Duggan. Uh, he it's when he switched over to Nova and took over from Jeff Loeb. Uh, Wacker edited those. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I thought he was a really exciting voice at Marvel. And then around the time that the Netflix um, Marvel shows are taking off, Wacker moves into animation at Marvel. And um, Avengers Assemble was the cartoon that which I didn't much care for that he produced. Yep. And I just think like here, this guy is obviously really talented, and I've always been uh, very fond of uh, the books he seems to touch turn great cartoons not so much i thought maybe he would uh, move through tv so i looked I, I looked him up to see how he's doing i follow him on twitter his description currently reads vice president something or other marvel digital media washed up comics editor and live tv slash animation guy former six flags dancer <laughs> former six flags dancer oh my goodness and he's very excited about the hawkeye show he's uh, tweeting about it a lot he's like uh it seems like he's having a fun life and good for steven wacker um but as far as i can tell he doesn't have an exciting new position at disney plus i hope he, he's doing whatever i hope he's landed somewhere cool though i always like yeah, that guy. it seems that he's helping oversee the digital stuff the the infinity comments yeah um and that, hence the uh, the vague title. Yeah. Um, not that uh, I've seen some cool stuff in those Infinity comics, but 
I I hope he gets a a job with like some creative power. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how about you? What was your number seven? Yep, my number seven was that Ms. Marvel will get a new title with an untested writer or artist. And I think I specified untested within comics. So, like, a... Or did I specify that it can't be a writer from another... Let's be generous. Uh, Generous, I skate in under the wire because they announced a new miniseries that is launching on December 22nd. What's the miniseries? So... Just barely got a new one. And the writer is a new to comics writer. Um, I forgot her name, but she's she's uh I think she's a YA writer. Um the miniseries is called Beyond the Limit. And this is also isn't counting the YA graphic novel that is gonna be published. I think uh, I saw that YA graphic Scholastic. novel. Yeah, I just saw that YA graphic novel somewhere. Yeah, Samira Ahmed. Oh yeah, 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 I know her. Yeah. You got it. That's great. Right. In, uh, well done. Good, pr- good prediction. I'm happy you're right. Yeah, me too. Uh, and Andres Genelay is going to be on the artist, and I really like Andres's art. So that's I'm de- exciting. I'm definitely going to buy this for my Teen Titans love and cousin. Get them some good Marvel books. Yeah, maybe read it first because you never know. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it'll be good, but yeah, I think they'll know. love it. I had, th- those kids know stuff. Those kids are on <laughs> TikTok. Yeah, they're 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 cooler than us. I assume. I'm, kind of, I'm pretty scared of TikTok. It's true. Anyway, my next prediction was that there will be a comic, ongoing or miniseries, that prominently stars Baby Yoda himself, Grogu. I and am absolutely floored we didn't get one. I am outraged that we didn't get one. I just want a book that's like the old Buttons and Minty cartoon from Animaniacs, where Grogu just like <laughs> chases a uh, butterfly or whatever through like dangerous Star Wars zones, and uh-huh. then like a droid is trying to catch him and get, bring him back to the Mando. Oh my god, that's amazing. Just like five issues of that, and then sell it yeah. as a graphic novel forever. People will buy it for their friends and family. Baby Yoda, I don't know if you know this, is a sensation. Just make a digital comic like it's Jeff. Perfect format. Yeah, yeah. Have a team up with Jeff and Grogu. That's my dream. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I am genuinely shocked. I'm sh- shocked the IDW ones didn't have any. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the IDW ones are fine. You, I would give them to a kid who's obsessed with Star Wars for sure. They're fine. Yeah. They're just like scenes between the scenes. Mm-hmm. But none of them have Grogu. None of them Outrageous. have Grogu. Outrageous. Unbelievable. I mean, it, yeah, I don't know the timeline of Mando, so it makes sense that Grogu hasn't been showing up in the main stuff if it's not between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Uh, so, you know. But still, it's outrageous. And I was going to say, I'm shocked that I am leading right now. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's uh, your current? What's your score? My score is two. It's two to one half. I th- I'm to gonna pick half. up a couple towards the end. There might be a twist. I might come okay. back. Okay, you might come back. We'll see. So number eight was that Marvel won't have a big event before 2022 once King and Black wraps up, and X crossovers don't count. Now. Well, yes. Okay. Here we go. We so. Devil's Reign and Timeless, both big events. Those aren't coming out until 2022. Um, unless Devil's Reign is launching, it's the big Daredevil event. I don't know if that's coming in like at the tail end of December. We also don't, uh, uh, there's not going to be tie-ins. I think it's just going to be a mini series kind of resetting the continuity a little bit. Yeah. Setting up. It seemed like like they, they said they would have a couple tie-in. They might have tie-in mini series. All right. Well, that counts as an event then. Yeah. I think I defined event as containing a mini 
you know, you know, containing tie-in events. Like if it doesn't have that, it doesn't count. It's got to have its own issues. Yeah, it's got to have its own issues, and it's got to have tie-ins that are not part of its own issues, preferably ones that are in existing series. And other than uh, King and Black, we didn't really get that. Because... I definitely would count Heroes Reborn. <sighs> but it, there, but there were no tie-in minis. There were those you know, single t- one-shots. I think you're uh, that's splitting hairs too finely. There was a bunch of... That whole thing I would count as a mini. There was a series of one-shots that, were, uh, that they're going to sell as a trade because they were thematically connected. Okay. It's like well, an anthology. Then, then Death of Doctor Strange also counts because it's got its own one-shot series and last annihilation yeah we so had a lot this, of those kinds of coming, events so is this what it's coming down to well the difference between did last last annihilation didn't have its own issues right that was all in the page of the it guardians. had a cut it had a couple no it well guardians and sword but then it also had last annihilation wiccan and hulkling and last annihilation black panther right so i wouldn't count that because those are the, the most important part of your prediction was that the mini, the event had to have its own dedicated mini You're as right. they do with events. Heroes Reborn definitely had that, although also they sold them all as one shots. They were like Heroes Reborn, Hyperion, Hero Reborn, Reborn Darkhawk, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they and they also had Night Heroes Hawk. Reborn one, two, three, four. It was weekly. They had both. Right. In the same way that Death of Doctor Strange currently has Death of Doctor Strange one through five, and then. You know, Death of Doctor Strange, uh, Spider-Man or whatever. But, like, I wouldn't count Darkhold in this at all, even though it's, it's got Alpha and Omega and then a bunch of one-shots in the middle. But no, Darkhold no... wouldn't count. Yeah. But but this was, like, a this was an event. The story was that Blade was trapped in an alternate reality where the uh, Squadron Supreme, the evil version of uh, the Justice League, where the, like, prominent force in the Avengers never happened. And then there was a bunch of one-shots from across the universe of, like, everybody. And I would count that as a miniseries. And then I would count the uh, Squadron Supreme-focused issues as another. So, yeah, that, that's totally an event. Okay. Okay, I don't get the point. I'm not trying to deny you. I just think, uh, in the spirit, it was meant. Yeah, that was even, like, my notes say, does Heroes Reborn count? I'm like, <sighs> I feel like it kind of does. Yeah, and I think Death of Doctor Strange probably counts, too. Which has probably yeah. been my one of my favorite things in Marvel 2021. What a surprise at the end there. It's been wonderful. Right? Let's see, um, when, is, when is Devil's Reign number one launching? I, I need to know. You need to know. You already didn't get it. You didn't get the point. Oh, it comes out. it comes out on December 8th. So I would I would not get the point anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a couple then. Well, my number eight, I crossed out sometime during the year because I decided that uh, this question was in a bad spirit and um, and I have thoughts about how it ended up. But my number eight prediction was that Falcon and Winter Soldier, which hadn't come out when I which was about to come out when we made these predictions, uh, mm-hmm. will spark some kind of low stakes outrage. Um, yeah. And I definitely, I mean, Falcon and Winter Soldier definitely got a share of criticism. I wouldn't call it describe, none of it seemed outsized or outrageous to me, though. It was just people like, oh, wow, that's kind of a, a shitty element of this show. Um, and some of yeah. those were, like, stylistic choices, and some of those were thematic choices. Um, the the part to me, I mean, I could get it, I could, like, really start uh, splitting hairs about how much I didn't like that show, but I thought that the stuff from, um, uh, the Isaiah Bradley stuff from The Truth is Red, White, and Black. Is that the name of that comic? Yeah. Um, Truth, Red, White, and Black. Yeah, Truth, Red, 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 White, and Black. The elements they took from that comic didn't get nearly enough time. 
Yeah, we won't we won't relitigate it. But but my point is, uh, the way I asked that question was snotty. I said outrage, like people were gonna get annoyed. I don't know that uh, there was gonna be a whole hate campaign because uh, Sam and Bucky never kiss or something, which is kind of how I think of the Captain America fandom. And I apologize to you, fine people. I spent mm-hmm. uh, some dark years on Tumblr. <laughs> But anyway, that question was in a bad spirit, and it didn't inspire outrage so much as, like, condemnation and criticism for being shitty, and that's not outrage, that's just criticism, and that's earned, and my question implied that it was not earned, so I do not get the point for that. Yep. The bright side is Hawkeye. Hawkeye is a delight. I'm having a great time with Hawkeye. It's about the quality I wanted all these shows to be. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting, and every week, we're in the middle of it coming out right now, so I'm excited for it to come out every week, I'm looking forward to new episodes. Of, of all of the ones so far, it's been one of the ones that I really looked forward to. I've, I looked forward to Loki. I looked forward to all of them, really. I Even even Falcon and Winter Soldier. But we had, I, a, whole, we had a whole episode about this. Yeah, I guess what I mean to say is uh, Hawkeye's just like a breeze. Like, Loki, I was, like, waiting with, like, a fervent anticipation because it was so weird and I wanted to know where it was going. Mm. But Hawkeye, I know exactly where it's going, and it's great. It's just, and it's popcorn fun, and, um... Tracksuit yeah. mobs there, that's all you need. Yeah, and just like uh, it's so joyous to see the the tracksuit mafia guys because I love them so much as villains. And Pizza Dog is just like he's a cute dog. He's got one eye. He eats pizza. I love watching that. I love yep. it for a reason. It's, anyway, it's a lot of fun. So my number nine. Yeah, outlawed will be quietly forgotten and never addressed again. So hmm. I want to give myself the point, but it's not off the books. The the law in the thing. It's just been changed. And they still reference it in, you know, when Champions was wrapping up, they still reference it. Miles Morales still references it. It was a big component of uh, Power Pack, one of our favorite books of 2021. Yep. Uh, but the branding did go away. And it was pretty quiet. Basically, the first arc of everything, that was all Outlawed was. And, you know, I don't know how much is going to continue to contribute. So maybe I get a half point. I was but about to it's suggest not a half quietly point. forgotten, and it's still been addressed. So, I was about to suggest a half point. So, I think you should give yourself a half point for that. I think uh, the spirit of that question happened, even if you got you lost some of the specifics. Yeah. All oh right. God. So, what's, what's your, score? your number nine? What's your score right now? Two point five. Two point five to one half. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So you is... you need to get you need to, to Hoover up these last two points. Well, my number nine was my most obvious prediction in hindsight, mm-hmm. which was simply that the end of Immortal Hulk will be announced. It didn't even need to end. I was just like, if it ends in twenty 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 in twenty twenty two. Wow, that's tough to say. I haven't gotten mm-hmm. used to that yet. New year. <laughs> Um, uh, it would still count with this. And obviously Immortal Hulk ended. It ended fantastically. It was one of the best ends I remember in a long run like this. I guess the Jason Aaron Thor run ended similarly with a plum. Yeah. But it's so great to have a 50-issue Marvel run with a bunch of like fun one-shots and annuals and stuff uh, to recommend to somebody who wants to get into Hulk. It's just like it's there now and it's fantastic. And we don't have to deal with uh, what's-his-face on the microverse. Oh, Hirokala, who we hate. Hirokala, whose name, as you can tell, continues to escape me, but I remember him. Yeah, oh, he's gonna... Oh, I remember him. He's gonna be one of those Marvel characters that haunts you, and you just, like, learn... Like, um, Carol Danvers' uh, son who assaulted her, Marcus, who I read at a very formative age, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm never gonna forget that this guy exists in the Marvel Universe. He haunts me. He haunts you. All right, number ten. The Inhumans will return in a major way. 
Well, it didn't happen, and thank God for that. Even though I love the Inhumans, <laughs> they're in timeout. We got a Black Bolt one-shot for Darkhold, and that's it. On to you. God, I just want to say that I love Black Bolt, and I'm so mad that the thing that they're trying to make us like right now is Eternals. Bring back Inhumans. I loved those Charles Soule Inhuman books. They were fun. Go read them. <laughs> they're better than you think. The Karen Gillan run on Eternals, though, is luminous. Uh, I'm Karen is one of my favorite Marvel writers, and I'm trying to look past some of the things about it that I don't like, and I, it's good. He's doing cool stuff. People should he's, read he's it. He's doing exactly what he what he does normally, but if you hate the Eternals, you'll probably still hate the book. I really hate the Eternals. I like his writing. Um, all right, so what's your score, Elias? 2.5. I have 1.5. What happens mm-hmm. if I get this last one? It'll be a tie. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to figure out some way of doing a tiebreaker. Okay, well, my number 10 is that Spider-Man will put on a new costume. People will hate the new costume. He'll put back on the old costume. <laughs> it happened more than once. He did it more than once. <laughs> It happened a lot towards the end of the Nick Spencer run. The post-Nick Spencer run, um, he, uh, Peter Parker returned in the classic Spider-Man costume and also is not Spider-Man in that current comic, which we might talk about later in the episode. But I got that one, right? That's that's two and a half to two and a half. Yeah, yeah, you did. Although I was going to say, right now we're having a similar issue with Miles Morales because I think his new costume is hot garbage. Oh, I hate his new costume. I hate it so much. I get the idea to try and make it like more casual and less, you know, Peter inspired, but this looks like all of the worst parts of the Scarlet Spider costume from the 90s, but transported into the 2020s. 100%. Uh, just make him look like he does in the movie. He looks so good in Spider-Verse, the best Marvel movie ever made. And yeah. and I love that he's an artist in that, and I love that that's expressed in his costume. There's so much personality in that. Just uh, I know that... The movie came out before a lot of Miles comics got written, but it looked around you, people. Miles is amazing in that movie. He should be yeah. just like that in the comics. Maybe not just like that, but take inspiration from the good parts. I think I figured out how we're going to do this tiebreaker, Elias. Okay, how are we going to do it? Okay, I'm going to tell you who won and who lost, and then you're going to litigate what that means. Uh, okay. Okay, so looking back at the spirit of this entire event, I'm very into the spirit of things today. Um... <laughs> This was about who was right and who was wrong for the year 2021. Correct. We tied each other exactly two and a half to two and a half, which is an unlikely tie. Yeah, that it really is, especially throwing in those half points. Yeah, and I think we went through that very honorably, and I I, I think we uh, we litigated it well. But uh, so that means we are exactly at odds for Marvel overall. So I'm looking to the rest of our year as a tiebreaker, and while. I can say that both of us made a lot of mistakes in uh, 2021. I definitely was more wrong about how the year was going to turn out. So I think that overall, my overall wrongness for how I thought my year would end the year before mm-hmm. means that I have lost uh, the prediction bet. Hmm. Now, if I lose, does that mean we have to read my least favorite comic or your least favorite comic, which I also hate? We ha- So it was the loser's choice. So whoever lost, whoever had, uh, we would have to read their book, which means I- if you lose, we have to read your book. But if which I lose, ultimatum. we have to read my book, which is Age of Ultron. I want you to know that mm-hmm. I, the amount that I hate 
Ultimatum is exactly a hair more than Age of Ultron, and thus I would rather read Age of Ultron, but I think you're right, and I think that according to the rules we have agreed upon today, we have to read Ultimatum. Yeah, I... <laughs> it's not good either way. I know you're it's really... It's not good either way, because a lot this... of my... Uh, yeah, I would say most of my predictions, I had enough that were kind of almost there, but not really, and you had a lot... Which is weird, because I took a lot more big swings. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was just wronger overall, I think that's why I lose, is my general spirit of incorrectness. Yeah, I still can't believe we had that many... <laughs> Yeah, that was <laughs> we that was exciting. Wrong. That did not go the way I thought it would go. That, no. And right down to the buzzer at the end there. That was not on purpose. If you go back to the original episode, that is the same order I did them in. I did not set up that twist at the end on purpose. No, yeah. It's wild. Yeah, but so it looks like we're reading Ultimatum, which is the worst Marvel comic ever written. Um... It is by Jeff Loeb, who was really going through something at that point in his life. I know overall uh, the tide has turned and soured and, the you know, Jeff Loeb has had a rise and fall. And we'll talk yeah. about him a bunch in that episode. I had a very uh, complicated relationship with his writing because he was very big in comics, writing books I did not care for when I was first getting into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ultimatum is nasty. It's violent. It's depraved. It's sexist. It's like truly the worst Marvel comic I've ever read. And the only thing I can say that's good is that it's a couple issues shorter than uh, Age of Ultron, which is like nine fucking issues or something. I think it's ten. Yeah, ten. It's such a slog, this. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, Ultimatum will disgust and shock you, but only for five or six issues. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, we'll, okay. I guess we're, we're doing it. I can't believe it. I genuinely thought we'd be reading Age of Ultron, and I was kind of psyching myself up to be like, all right, I get to rage about this comic, but now I get to talk about something that's... Oh. To be to be clear, I uh, don't have the expectation that um, our listeners will read Ultimatum. I do not wish to yeah. inflict that upon people who did not participate in this bet. We will uh, discuss it in a way that uh, hopefully will be welcoming to people who do not uh, care to suffer it, but are like morbidly yeah. curious. This episode's for you guys. <laughs> well, until then, we are going to go on our usual break, and when we come back, we'll be back with, well, something maybe familiar, maybe different. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And welcome back. Uh, that turned out way differently than I thought it would, Elias. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of... kind of shocked. I'm kind of shocked. I kind of want to return to uh, something familiar, like um, our continued rankings of all of the X-Men books of the Krakoa era, a, a segment you like to call Baseline X, and I call that because I'm terrible at naming things and uncomfortable with the very idea. Yeah. Maybe uh, when... I was going to say, well, it's 2022 now, 
but maybe the next time we do it, it will have a new name. Who knows? Oh my goodness. Because next time we do it, we'll have presumably gotten the final issue of Hickman's Inferno, uh, and the destiny of X will have started to start. Yeah. I'm still so stoked for it. I love this line. This is one of the best. I think this might be my favorite comic Marvel has ever published, this whole X-Men era. I I don't think I've read enough to really make that argument, but I really I'm clearly I've been really loving it because we've still been talking about it like this. I I've been into I wasn't been into when that started when that comic started I've been into Marvel for like ten years reading monthly. Uh huh. And that and the X Men books was the like most excitement I've felt from like the comic community on the internet and people like just this big fandom coming together and just like buzzing about the same thing. I just had so much mm-hmm. fun. With this uh, X line. Um, but we're going to start with some books that uh, were not our favorites in the X line, ending no. on a high note. Yeah. So we have, for anyone who's new, we are ranking from our least favorite to most favorite uh, X books, starting with House of X Powers of 10 until, you know, the most recent months, uh, give or take. Yeah. Sometimes we're, we're when it comes out, sometimes we're, we're an issue or two behind uh, when you're listening to it. But as of right now, we've got 24 books to start talk about when we should get going because there are a lot of them. Do you want to start us or do you want me to start us? I'll start us. My number right. 24 pick is Fallen Angels. It was a dud. It was a dud. Mine is. Gesundheit. <laughs> Mine was sneeze. Yeah, it's Fallen Angels as well. Uh, my number twenty three was X Force. That book's a Ooh. snooze. Mine, mine have been flop, flip flopping back and forth, but uh, I, mine is Wolverine. I've just been having no fun with it, and every time I'm like, this was a decent issue for X Force. Uh... <laughs> my number twenty two is also Wolverine, and it's the only reason it beat X Force is because uh, there was an issue where Wolverine surfed on an adamantium surfboard. He did. He did. And oh wait, that was that was a Wolverine issue. That wasn't an X Force issue. Oh, you're right. It's X-Force. Wolverine just fell a slot. Yep. That's why I put X-Force higher, because I'm like, we had the surfing issue, which was a great issue of Wolverine, but it was in X-Force. Uh, yep. You're right. Sorry, Wolverine. All right. Yeah. Moving on. 21. I, uh, my 21 is X-Men Fantastic Four. Mm, mine's still giant size. Um, My number 20 is Children of the Atom. Wow. That has fallen a while far. My number 20 is X-Men Fantastic Four. Children of the Atom, yeah. Um, my number 19 is Giant Size X-Men, and the reason it edges out the other ones is Giant Size X-Men has some art that I love looking at, and I can see myself going back and opening a trade of that again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And Children of the Atom was a story that made me think while it was coming out, but like I don't feel that compelled to return to it right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, my number 19 is Empire X-Men. It's just, you know, I still really like it. Those middle issues still kill me. Uh, I'm sure there will be more shakeups, but in all of the completed ones, uh, I haven't given them as much thought. I'm giving them like another month at least to kind of settle in my brain before I think I reshuffle all of them. Sure. My number uh, 18 is Empire X-Men. Mm. My number 18 is X-Corp. Just a dud of a series. Um, there was parts of X-Corp I liked. I thought there was good character work and I like... Uh... Well, we'll get to that in a second because nine, yeah. my number 17 is Way of X. Wow, we tied on that one. Yeah, I the more yeah. it, it, it fell a couple of spots uh, since the last time. Uh, I just the more I think about it, the more it pisses me off in the way that Sizeberger books sometimes do. Where I was just like, 
that didn't make sense, not because it was smart, but because it was stupid. Yeah, yeah. And introducing Onslaught was a major miscalculation. Not like a miscalculation, just like a not that interesting idea. I think the way the way it was handled. The uh, wrong move, especially for an intro arc. <laughs> totally. I have ideas for Onslaught, actually, but it doesn't matter. My number 16 is X-Corp, a book that, yeah, didn't blow me away. But I think uh, X-Corp, I'm more likely to revisit X-Corp than any of the books before this one. Hmm. Oh, that's fair. Uh, my number 16 is Cable. Uh, like I said, I, the completed series just have mostly stayed the same because I haven't given them so much thought, but I really enjoyed and had fun with Cable. And especially now I'm looking back, I'm like, I'm looking back at it more fondly. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I will talk about that in many spaces from now. Mm-hmm. My number 15 is Juggernaut, a series that was a ball. Yeah. My number 15 is Children of the Atom. Um, we kind of talked about it. It's sitting high. I think it'll probably end up slipping a little bit as we go. Because yeah. it was it it had a lot of interesting ideas, but it never quite cohered. It felt like it was always trapped between what it wanted to be and what it was supposed to be. And I have no idea what happened with that book, but something happened with it. Yeah, and th- that happened to a couple of series uh, yeah. around that time. Uh, my number fourteen is Hellfire Gala, which fell a couple of spots. Wow, my uh, fourteen is still is Juggernaut. The um, that's great. That Juggernaut series was fun. It was. It was. A lot of the impact of Hellfire Gala, I think, is getting uh, lost the farther we are from it, and I might raise again as I like take the time to really pour through it and revisit it because mm-hmm. it was it well, was so de- it was like yeah. so dense. Yeah, well, and I'll get to my thoughts when we get to it. Oh sure, uh, my number thirteen falling a place is Excalibur. Huh. My number thirteen is I know in your heart it hurts Marauders, but the most recent issues have still been kind of. They're good, but they're nothing. They're not blowing me away, so it it has not budged from its spot. Um, that brings me to my number twelve, uh, X of Swords, Ten of Swords, a series which I uh, keep meaning to reread. That's the one that I I think that'll be really fun to revisit. Yeah. So my number twelve is Hellfire Gala. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And like you said, the further we get from it, I think the 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 less impactful it feels. But I still remember bits and pieces of it. I it, it's fun. I think it was still a really cool idea and experiment and way to do a crossover. Uh, it didn't quite work as well as I think that it could have. But you know, I still I still have fondness for it, especially because of all the ridiculous Met Gala outfits. One hundred percent. Uh, yeah. That I agree with everything you had to say. Yeah. All right, <laughs> um, number eleven. My number eleven is Inferno. It's just been wow. a, a little. It's been a little while since a new issue of Inferno, and um, my uh, I my there's another one coming out next week. My attention is like fading right now. I mm. uh, it needs to blow me away. There's so many series that have like had so many meaningful moments to me, and so far Inferno's just been really good and cool. Yeah, I I feel that. So my number 11 is Excalibur. Same thing with Marauders. It hasn't really been blowing me away. It you know, fell a little bit, but just kind of okay. Yeah, uh, the other world stuff is kind of drags for me sometimes. I like their adventures in like modern England a little bit more, and there hasn't been a lot of that this year. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it, it feels a little unfocused. Yeah, although there's been issues I've really liked. Uh, my mm-hmm. number 10, we're in the top 10 now. I, my rule for the top 10 is if you're in the top 10, I love you unequivocally, and now we're just being ranked within that. So, number 10, up from its spot uh, way lower last time, was X-Men Volume 6 by Jerry Duggan. <laughs> We've got it at the same part. It really started clicking for me uh, recently. I like the issue where Jean Grey fought Nightmare. I thought that was a super cool use of Jean Grey. Hmm. 
and I'm a famous Polaris hater. He had a Polaris issue recently that I really dug. And it, I just like, oh yeah, if that's make Polaris like that from now on. I'm surprised that you, you, you say that after having Polaris be a central character in X Factor. I I don't know. I, I got the idea of what it would be like to hang out with Polaris, which seems fine. But I um what's like motivates her? What's the what drives that character? Ah. And in this X-Men book, I really feel um, there was a big deal made out of the fact that Polaris is like a, a physicist. She's got a doctorate. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she's really concerned with respecting people and being impressive. And and she just delivers. And that's what the issue is. Like, you could tell that she wanted ev- even the people she fights to um, to compliment her on her cleverness and her strength. Mm-hmm. And then she continuously got it. So the issue delivered. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, that kind of issue. Uh, that's what defines a character for me. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, my my number eight is uh, Ten of Swords. I think you skipped number nine. No, no, I'm sorry. My nine is Ten of Swords. Thank you. Yeah. I don't have much more to say about it. Again, same thing. I think when I go back, I'll have a lot of fun. I still remember all of those big twists, and I remember that with fondness. Yeah, I think at the time we were even harder on it. Like, uh, it's going to, as we uh, go back to it, we're going to be like, how crazy was this story? This one ever, this was nuts. Yeah, I I think Ten of Swords has has fallen for me more than it did for you. I had mine pretty high, and it's kind of been edged down, but only because other series have been really good. The last month of Ten of Swords, it was my number three. Mm. Um, But this month, my number nine is Cable, a series which you said you like and I love. Um, I never liked Kid Cable, and that series proved that I love him, and it ended so strong, and I get feelings when I read it. (laughs) I think we ended up flipping because we both had X-Men at number 10. I think that's what happened because we're now at number eight. Uh, I'm leading the pack and it's New Mutants. Um, I love New Mutants, but yeah. my number eight but... is X-Factor. Ooh. I mean, I'm not surprised because of number, you know, the the way it ended and all that. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. In that case, right. uh, number seven. Uh, I have Hellions. Helians. I have, we'll talk about uh, Hellions in a bit, but I have uh, X-Men Volume 5, the Hickman run. It was wow. great. It's at number seven. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I, wow, but I'm not surprised, uh, knowing what other books remain. Yeah. Uh, my number six is X-Factor. X-Factor has fallen a lot for me. Um, yeah. But again, it's only because there have been other series that have pushed it further down. And, you know, uh, there's some... some Big juggernauts that might need to, but not the juggernaut, uh, can need it, to, to be unstuck. The whole fun part about doing this is seeing the way uh, these books change, like, just as other books come out that have nothing to do with them, that change the way we feel about characters, and, mm-hmm. like, it, the the change is what's interesting. So the fact that uh, that uh, X-Factor's falling but might rise again is, uh, you know, that's, that's the joy of this. Yeah, and I think X-Factor would not be falling if it hadn't been cancelled. <laughs> Yeah, it had a you know. rough ending. Yeah. What's your number six? My number six, having fallen a couple spots, is Sword. Wow, really? Yeah, I just got uh, very excited about some other uh, books that are left, uh, but Sword is still fantastic. Okay. So number five, I have Inferno. Uh, like you said, it's it fell from, uh, well, it wasn't number four, then number three, then number four, or number five. But Inferno fell for me because the same reason as you. It's been a while since the issue. You know, it's only four issues and it's still really interesting. But some of the other series, they just 
got me more, and I think the final issue is going to be something else. Or it's going to be this really quiet denouement, in which case I will be shocked. That Either one, I'll be stoked. It sounds great. Yeah. All right, what's your number five? So my number five is New Mutants. Okay, let's talk about it. Every issue that Rob Reese draws is my favorite thing in the world. I love him as an artist. I love his art. Mm-hmm. Um, Vida Yala has been a great but so- voice, but sometimes uh, inconsistent for me in terms of uh, what they're choosing to focus their issues on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a little talky. Uh, yeah, it's a little talky. I like uh, Vida being talky more than most people being talky, though. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a recent issue where um, about the redemption of Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. That was so... That felt like one of those big turning point issues. Yeah, and I found it really moving. Uh, it's a character that, you know, like, I, I wrote about this in my column. I never really cared for Shadow King. But for Vida Yala to take this character who's, like, cartoonishly frightening and, like, overbearingly evil and to write this, like, really heartfelt redemption arc, I just is, like, um, uh emotional note that not a lot of writers are succeeding on. And it just... I, and, and the fact that they're hitting that note, um, like, every so often. Every so often they blow my mind with something like that. Yeah. Uh, New so Mutants, Mutants, number five. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, the only reason it's further down for me is because I like these other books more. Yeah. I'm going to keep that, saying that every time we get to a new book. That's every the time. territory we're in. I understand. That's the territory. Uh, my number four is Sword. Uh, the WizKid issue is what booted it all the way up there. Fantastic issue. Yeah, it was a good month, actually, for a lot of <laughs> last month. Right? Um, yeah. Love that. I love that Wizkid issue. I've been loving this uh, reign of X era has been all about taking these like forgotten, interesting ideas and making them fun modern characters and succeeding over and over again. Yeah. With Wizkid, with Fabian Cortez, with um, with Cable even. I thought... Uh, Kid Cable? Yeah, with Cable. Well, just the, the whole arc of Cable. Like when you see Cable in Sword now, don't you get kind of stoked? Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. I was like, <gasps> Cable! And yeah. he's, got, he's not acting like super gruff 90s Cable, but he's acting as like a mix of that and Kid Cable. Yeah, he's just like an updated cool Cable. He's cool now. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my favorite thing in, in X-Men is just like someone jumps on and they're reading a run and then they fall in love with the character because they just are hitting at that time. And there's been a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Polaris, for example. Uh, Polaris. My number four is Trial of Magneto, which was my number one last month. Wow. Yeah. I'm that's... still loving Trial of Magneto. Yeah. It's number well, four. My number three is Trial of Magneto, which yeah. means it jumped for me. Well, it went down and then back up. But it's more X Factor goodness. And I, I don't know. I'm really, I found the Scarlet Witch stuff really interesting. Oh, yeah. Leah Williams doing Scarlet Witch is like, is like breaking my heart in the best possible way. It's amazing. I would love to see like magic and and Scarlet Witch kind of have fun fun together, have adventures. That's that's not nice to say to me. That's like uh, (laughs) magic is like historically one of my favorite characters, and uh, Scarlet Witch is like a recent favorite character, basically since WandaVision and this new Leo Williams issue. That's like when I (laughs) when I fallen in love. Also, just because of uh, recommending obscure James Robinson things, I love a bunch of issues of that run. James Robinson, Scarlet Witch. Okay. I, I'm more lukewarm on it. Anyway, a trial of Magneto. Just, uh, there's been a little bit too much kaiju fighting, but I love how yeah. Leah Williams writes a lot of people, like huge ensembles of people standing around and screaming their feelings at each other. That is Leah Williams like catnip for me. I yeah. want a thousand issues. Let Leah Williams write all the big events. I want 
to know the answer to who killed Scarlet Witch. We'll know I by want next my month. Answer. We'll know by next time we record, probably. Yeah. And there's been no trial for Magneto, which feels like the same kind of bait and switch as the Joker in over at Batman. He or was Batman, found over guilty. At DC Comics. He was found guilty by like everybody who counted and declared himself guilty. But now Wanda knows that he's not actually the killer, and because he's standing with her when she announces that she knows the killer. That's true. He's one of the people standing by her side. Yeah. Anyway, my number three, also somewhat controversially, is Marauders. Ooh. I can't remember. Has it, did it go up from last time? No, that's, I know um, it fell. That's the same, it dropped to number three last month and it's in the same spot. Okay. Um, Yeah. Not that, not that I, uh, Marauders was very important to me. The, um, Kate Pride calling herself Kate kissing a girl and liking it, uh, killing Shaw, but not really killing Shaw. Just like that entire arc was just like, um, I really struck a chord with me when I was uh, learning stuff about myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to forever treasure it. There's been some other stuff in that series that I haven't liked. There was a recent issue where they built a spaceship with their powers, and that was cool. There was also a recent issue that made me like Harry Leland of all characters. Whoever that is. I guess you're not caught up. He was delightful in the most recent issue. I guess not. He uh, first appeared in the Dark Phoenix Saga. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he's like a tertiary character from Dark Phoenix Saga who's brought back as like Shaw's best buddy and like brings out this whole new likable side of Shaw. Huh. It's kind of That's a great a, issue. But do I want a likable side of Shaw? I guess not likable. It's like uh, what we do in the shadows. He's like a hilariously terrible oh. together. Okay. It's just like two roommates with like a palpable sexual tension who um, just like respect each other because they keep on stabbing each other in the back. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is fantastic. Lots of hugs. (laughs) Um, So I guess that, did you say your number three? Uh, Yeah, it was, did I say my number three? I think we're on number two. Yeah, because my number three was Trial of Magneto. My number two, the Hickman X-Men book. Yeah, I mean, fair enough that I love the format of that. Hickman's great. Yeah, I'm sad we don't have another like just weird anthology x-men book like that and i hope we get one yeah me too what's your Uh, number two my number two is hellions oh my favorite x-men characters coming out of 2021 are nanny and orphan maker that book is a fucking miracle i can't believe that book yeah i yeah. I'm going back and reading old Zeb Wells X books. He did a run of New Mutants that I've been rereading. And um, while um, there's parts of it you can certainly say didn't age well, and maybe there's stuff you might be sensitive to, it's like he writes such a fucking cool comic. He does such a great ensemble of teen superheroes living together. He's got such a great sense of voice. And he writes such uh, assholes so compellingly and fun. It's all that years working on Robot Chicken. I guess that's what that teaches you. Yeah, so Hellions is right now my reigning number two as it's ending the nearing the end of its run. It's kind of amazing that it's that high up, but well-deserved. It's not hard to see why it's that high up. This book seriously has been one of, one of the standouts of the era. But that I'm means... I'm going to be sad to see it go. That means that there's only one thing left to be our number one, and my number one is Hoxpox, which actually has never broken number one. Um, for you. For me. It's never left number one for me. Yeah, so but so I just want to call attention to this momentous moment on my list. Um, the we, we paused this while we were doing the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, run, 
No yeah. regrets. But uh, in January 2021, Hoxpox remained at my number two as it had been since the beginning. Marauders at number one. So the early 2021 uh, weak spot of Marauders was enough to dip it below Hoxpox for me. And Hellions took that place. And I realized that Hellions doesn't beat Hoxpox, which I've read and reread. And it's such a great comic. Yeah. There's a reason why it was one of the, I guess, most talked about comics as it was coming out. Broke records. I Everyone was talking about it. Everyone still remembers it. Even the people who, like, this many years later aren't obsessively looking at the X-Men stuff like we are. That's one of the X-Books that they remember, and they might be following one or two others. Yeah, it was an incredible time in comics. Yeah, uh... There's no no arguing that it's it's not influential, but I'm glad that we got to agree at least once that it is number one. Maybe it'll uh, happen who again. Who knows if anything will will push it push it out now? Yeah, that a lot of things are turning out the, uh, in ways I didn't expect. Before we wrap it up for the day, Elias, I wanted to know what Marvel book was your current reigning heavyweight champion. I believe my the rain the champion book was uh Shang Chi. I think that's what I picked last time because before that it was Beta Ray Bill. I always do this every time. That's right. Every time I forget, I have to write it. I need to say I'm right. I'm writing my answer down now so that it, we have it in the notes. Um, but my current one, I, I seriously do not, I, I've been like fighting with myself to figure out which, which of the, these books gets it because I read them like within an hour of each other and both grabbed me, but one of them has to come out on top. So I'm picking the stupidly numbered Amazing Spider-Man 78 dot bay b-e-y i guess it's you know for beyond Mm -hmm. uh where jed mckay and eleonora carlini with frederico blue and joe caramanga just have a ton of fun with misty knight and ben riley and why am i blanking on her name the daughter's wing Thank you. Colleen Wing, The Daughters of the Dragon, where they go to Avengers Murder Mansion. And I just had so much fun with that issue. Elias, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh Uh-huh. But I have to tell you that the same issue was my pick for the Heavyweight Champion. Yes, I think this is the first time this has ever happened. And now I'm going to just call this this entry Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was like a weird one-shot tie-in that had stupid numbering that'll be in some dumb trade somewhere, but that issue is like the best thing I've ever read. Mm-hmm. But actually, this entire Amazing Spider-Man run has blown my mind. I was so sour on it. I uh, didn't think any part of it sounded appealing. I am not a fan of Ben Riley, and I've been loving it. I loved uh, I even the jam issue ensemble style where you had uh, Zeb Wells did a bunch of issues and Jed McKay did that one and Kelly Thompson did some others. I thought it wouldn't come together at all. And actually, the friction is making the whole series even more fun. Yeah. It's yeah, like they're all Cody passing Ziegler it has been having a lot of fun with it. I think this is these are some some of his first comics here. He came over from the the She Hulk uh, Disney Plus series, doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Um, overall, this series uh, I had the lowest expectations for, but it is currently my champion. It is a uh, uh, Immortal Hulk 
ended, uh, and, uh, Daredevil is, uh, wrapping up with its final issues. I think it just had its final issue, but, uh, damn if that Spider-Man run isn't the thing that excites me most every week now. Yeah, yeah. The two, Fantastic. I was going to say, the, the other two books that kind of got beat out by this were Venom and Sword. Yeah, that's right. Al that. stuff. Yeah. Uh, Defenders was my book last month. Yeah, but that Amazing Spider-Man issue, just so much fun. Jed McKay has been one of the, the sleeper hit writers of Marvel for a little while now. I'm officially pre- pledging to go back and read this whole Black Cat series that everyone keeps telling me is so amazing. Please do. It's really good. Lots of fun. Ignore the covers. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can't wait. Um, in the meantime, I guess I should let our friends listening know that our next issue is going to be a return to the book club. But after doing such a long book club that took us 11 months or however long, 11 episodes over six months, um, we are going to do a single issue. Um, I'm hoping that Elias and I can both have the issue in front of us as we record so we can kind of go through it, uh, more slowly than we usually do. And talk about it. It's going to be New Mutants number 21 by uh, Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh The issue is called Slumber Party. And you can find it in a lot of collections, including online on Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be reading from the Epic Collection trade. There are so many trades that this is in. It's in like, the original New Mutants Omnibus. I think it's like Epic Collection uh, 2. It's the Demon Bear Saga uh collection i have a demon bear um, uh paperback that includes yeah. it yeah so that's it's easy to find in some way shape or form uh thankfully uh but then in february ultimatum doing, ultimate i'm really sorry that uh that this is happening to you okay. elias um but we're gonna we're gonna learn from it we're gonna learn from this this trial exactly so in the meantime jana where can they find you on the larger interwebs. Wow. Well, hopefully by the time this episode drops, I'll have changed my pronouns on Twitter or added pronouns on Twitter. Uh, but I can still be found <laughs> at rambling underscore moose. My trans gal friends say that moose is a very cool nickname for a trans girl. And I am assuming they're not humoring me. <laughs> uh, Elias, where could uh, folks find you? They can find me on Twitter at Quetzalish. That's Q U E T Z E L I S H. Uh, I've got nothing fun to say about that this week because it's a new year and I'm very tired. Well, happy new year to us, Elias. We're going to bring it in with a terrible book, but hopefully... uh, No, no, we're bringing it in with a great book, and then in a month we'll bring it in with a terrible book. Yeah, February, when they're dropping all the bad movies, we'll be dropping our ultimatum episode. We hope to see you there. Excelsior.